Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. This episode, uh, I'll talk about Ether, chapters 8 and 9. Jump right in. Uh, we were at Shul. Shul uh, has a son named Omer, and Omer reigns pretty quickly. We have one, two lines about him, and he has a son named Jared. Jared has uh, rebels against his father. Imagine that. There's, there's just more contention, which creates more contention. Jared ends up losing the kingdom. In verse 7, it says, Now Jared became exceedingly sorrowful because of the loss of the kingdom. Now, sorrow can be good, right? As long as it's the right kind of sorrow that leads to repentance. If we go back to Mormon chapter 2, remember, Mormon got excited when he saw his people sorrowing. He said, I came to pass when I, Mormon, saw their lamentation and their mourning and their sorrow before the Lord. My heart did begin to rejoice knowing the mercies and the long-suffering of the Lord, therefore supposing that he would be merciful unto them, that they would begin become a righteous people. And maybe they're going to repent. And then he said, But behold, this my joy was in vain, for sor- their sorrowing was not unto repentance, so not that kind of sorrowing, but it was uh, rather the sorrowing of the damned because of the Lord, because the Lord did not always suffer them to take happiness and sin. So Jared's mad that he can't be wicked and evil and rebel and have his kingdom and and have prosperity and be blessed. And so his daughter uh, uses her beauty to charm his to charm someone, and uh, his name is Akish, and he says I'll seduce him basically, and that he'll want me, and then I'll ask he'll say I'll give you anything, and I'll say okay, uh, go go kill. Uh, my grandpa or my dad will say, go kill my father, the king. And Akish will do it because he wants me so bad. So then they do that. And then they have to, but then now have, they have to create a conspiracy, right? They have to conspire together to keep this secret. So conspiracy, secret. Uh, now what do you have? A secret combination. And it's the works of darkness that uh, existed before this time. They existed always uh, because who created them? Who is the author of them? Satan is. Satan is the author of these secret combinations. They had a record of them and they were able to search and find them. Think back to Alma chapter 37. Uh, Alma's talking to his son Helaman and he's talking to him about this record, the record of the Jaredite people and their secret combinations and their works of darkness. And he says, don't share that with the people. They don't need to know that. Well, they end up getting a secret combination and getting into that type of darkness anyway. And if you remember back in Helaman chapter 6, I mentioned this in, in the episode, but Helaman chapter 6 tells us that it, that Satan is the father of all lies. It's going to, we're going to reiterate that here in this chapter. But he's the He is the author and the creator of these secret combinations. And so when someone is wicked enough and begins to seek out these things, he can put them in their heart and they don't have to read about them. And they're going to look, they're going to look the same as they did in previous generations. Because he's good. He's good at what he does, no doubt. And he might put a ribbon on it or a bow. But one thing he's not, he's not uh, creative. There's no, there's nothing different and new to it. It's the same works of darkness. It's to rob and plunder and uh, kill and lie and cheat. And so uh, that's what happens to the, the Jaredite people. These works of darkness are introduced and like I said, they had them. They had them, and we're told that they had them. 
uh, in terms of a record of them from from before. Uh, but this daughter of Jared really introduces these uh, with his with her father. These works of darkness and why chapter eight I think is so interesting to me is that Moroni pauses his rapid summary. Remember, he's going quickly through this timeline, but he pauses that uh, so that he can detail these secret combinations. And he goes into depth about them uh, somewhat and about what they're like and where they come from. And he tells us, but he does tell us why he's doing that. He says, and they have caused the destruction of this people of whom I am now speaking, the Jaredites, and also the destruction of the people of Nephi. And whatsoever nation shall uphold such secret combinations to get power and gain until they shall be spread over the nation. Behold, they shall be destroyed. And remember who he's talking to. He's all alone. He's not ta- he does- Nobody else is going to read this. You're going to read this. He's talking to you. He's talking to us in our day. No one else is going to read this. Wherefore, O ye Gentiles, it is wisdom in God that these things should be shown unto you, that thereby ye may repent of your sins, and suffer not that these murderous combinations shall get above you. Repent, he says. That's, what he's, that's why he's sharing this with us, is so that we can recognize them and see them. He says, Wherefore the Lord commandeth you, when you shall see these things come among you, that you shall awake to a sense of your awful situation. So look around. I'm gonna I'm gonna point these things out and what they look like in my day and in Jared's day and the Ether or the Jaredites' day. I'm pointing these things out so that you can see what they look like, so then you can look around yourself, look around your surroundings, and say, Do I see this? Do I see like verse 17, and the daughter of Jared, who put it in his heart to search up these things of old, and Jared put it into his heart, into the heart of Achish. Wherefore Achish administered it unto his kindred and friends, leading them away by fair promises to what to do whatsoever thing he desired. What kinds of things are we putting in the in in the hearts of people around us? What kinds of things are the people around us trying to put into our heart? What kinds of things are the are people trying to to put into groups uh, into their hearts to get them to do and control them? Moroni is warning us, okay? Um, let's see. Ezra, President Benson said, Moroni could have pointed out many factors that led to the destruction of the people, but notice how he singled out the secret combinations. Just as the church today could point out many threats to peace, prosperity, and the spread of God's work, but it has singled out the greatest threat as, uh, but his, but it has singled out the greatest threat as the godless conspiracy. This scripture should alert us to what is ahead unless we repent. Repent is the only way out. It's the only way uh, around uh, and through and away from these secret combinations and the consequences that they bring. Elder uh, Elder Oaks, now President Oaks, but this is back in 2004, said uh, in talking about how Satan is the father of lies, which we learn in, like I said, Helam in 6, but also here in, in verse 25. Uh, he said, And the spirits who follow him, Satan, are still deceiving the world. Satan's methods of deception are enticing, music, movies, and other media, and the glitter of a good time. When Satan's lies succeed in deceiving us, we become vulnerable to his power. How can we avoid that? How can we thwart that? How can we uh, overcome Satan's lies and his deceptions and these secret combinations? Well, we talked about repentance 
but Nephi, in talking about this, said, uh, in speaking of the millennium, he Nephi explained that because of righteousness of the of God's people, Satan has no power, for they dwell in righteousness, and the Holy One of Israel reigneth. So that's First Nephi chapter two or chapter twenty two, verse twenty six. And what what uh, gave Satan no power was the righteousness of the people. And Moroni, similarly, in verse twenty six of chapter eight of Ether, said. Um, Satan may have no power upon the hearts of the children of men, but that they may be persuaded to do good continually. Uh, Joseph Smith said, The devil has no power over us only as we permit him. The moment we revolt at anything which comes from God, the devil takes power. Our righteousness shackles Satan and his power. When, As we, as individuals and families, are righteous and repent, we can avoid the consequences uh, that the personal consequences of rejecting uh, the things of God, the personal consequences of accepting and embracing secret combinations in the works of darkness. But it's it's simple as it's, as it's ever been. Repent and, and keep the commandments. And again, verse 26 stands out to me. This is the, the, the last verse in chapter 8 because Moroni says, Wherefore I, Moroni, am commanded to write these things that evil may be done away. In what? Not his time. Our time. It's for us. He saw our day. That's the context. Remember, he saw us. He writes the end of Mormon where he's got this new mission and he talks about faith and he talks about miracles and then he gets more ore and he now is going to write this record to us. To warn us. It's for us. And I I think that I I keep emphasizing that because it's so critically important that no one else was going to see this. Because like even some of... And not Mormon's words, right? Because Mormon writing in about 385 to 400 AD. So not very many people had his record in the Book of Mormon, but they had their plate. They had the plates and they had all these things. But the 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 Jaredite record, while it was shared at times, and we can see that it was shared at times, the record as we have it given in Moroni's way, Highlighting specific points. No one else saw that. Just us. Two, I mean, so Moroni saw it when he was writing it. The next person to see it was Joseph Smith translating it. In, 18, in the 1820s. And it's now been printed in hundreds of languages for us. So that we know. So that we know the consequences. And I mentioned in... Uh, in the previous episode that when we're given the consequences, when we're given the choice A and B, there's no more neutral ground. And now it's up to us to choose, to choose righteousness and to choose to repent. As we continue into chapter nine, uh, I just love the chapter headings in, in ether are some of my favorite just because it's just like, Oh, it's, I feel like I just read this same thing. The kingdom passes from one to another by descendant and intrigue and murder. <laughs> but then we do get Emer. Emer is pretty awesome. I'll, I'll highlight Emer. He sees Christ. sees the Son of Righteousness. So remember that Akish sought the life of his... That's So that's the secret combination. So he picks back up. Because we got this interjection of Moroni. He's talking about the secret combinations. Da- Jared's daughter uh, dances for him, pleases him. Jared wants him to, you know, we'll give him, say, I'll give you my daughter to, 
to be your wife if you'll kill my father. That goes down. But now that's not enough for Akish. So now in chapter uh, 9, Akish sought the life of his father-in-law and applied unto those whom he had sworn by the oath of the ancients and they obtained uh, and uh, and they obtained the head of his father-in-law and he sat upon the throne giving audience to as he sat upon his throne giving audience to his people. So Jared is now beheaded by Akish who was in this whole secret combination thing because he brought him in and this reminded me of Alma chapter 30. And if you remember, chapter 30 is about Korahor, and the very last verse. And thus we see the end of him who perverteth the ways of the Lord. And thus we see that the devil will not support his children on the last day, but doth speedily drag them down to hell. And is that not exactly what just happened to Jared here? He wasn't upheld. Satan didn't protect him. No, he sowed uh, unrighteousness, and he reaped unrighteousness. And the spread of this wickedness... It corrupted the heart of all the people, it says. Therefore, Jared was murdered upon his throne, and Achish reigned in his stead. The guy is murdered right on his seat while giving audience to his to the people. They saw who did it, presumably, but they didn't care because their hearts were so wicked. And now Achish is now the king. And there began to be a war between the sons of Achish and him. It lasted the space of many years. Until nearly all the people of the kingdom had uh, were destroyed. Even all save it were 30 souls and they who fled with the house of Omer. So another thing to keep in mind as you're reading this is this, there's this utter destruction. But just like Nephi splintered off and Jared and his brother splintered off, there are these little splinter cells that go out that we don't really follow the whole history. And sometimes they come back in like with, with Omer and the people that followed Omer. Uh, but we need to remember that there's these... There's a lot of just splinter societies and communities. We don't have necessarily all of their record. Um, and some of them may uh, have come back into the civilization and be termed the Jaredites, but some may not have. And I think as you look at Mesoamerican history, you you can see uh, you see those types of uh, tribes and different societies, and you can't. It's, it makes it difficult to say, oh, that's the Jaredites. Oh, this one's the Jaredites, and this one's not. And uh, this is the Nephites. Well, there's splinter cells, and there's not just the Nephites and Lamanites living there. There's not just the Jaredite civilization, because there's these other different groups all around, spreading out. But the Jaredite people here are almost entirely destroyed, and why? And again, it's really quick and easy to see, because it's from one page to the next. For so great had uh, been the spreading of the wicked and uh, and secret society that it had corrupted the hearts of all the people. And what did that lead to? Well, almost all the people are destroyed. So now there's time and some generations pass by and there's a little bit of healing at least. And Emer did execute judgment and righteousness all his days and he begat many sons and daughters. And after he had anointed Coriantum to reign in his stead, he lived four years and saw peace in the land. Yea, and even he saw the son of righteousness and did rejoice in glory in his day. Repentance led to a righteous society, a righteous leader, but it didn't happen overnight. It's generations later. And what I learned and take from this, one of the things is that uh, while our ancestors' decisions do impact where we are currently, it does not impact our ability to receive revelation. No matter who we are, where we are, what we are, 
rich, poor, black, white, anything in between, socioeconomic status. Like none of that matters when it comes to receiving revelation, being blessed by God. It it just doesn't. And the decisions of our ancestors don't impact that. We have the choice to make. Emer came from a wicked society that had almost been uh, completely destroyed. And yet he was able to see Christ. But only a few generations later, we get wickedness uh, upon the face of the land. And there came prophets again, crying repentance and that they must prepare the way of the Lord. And what did they do? But the people believed not their words. And as we've been studying the Book of Mormon this year, I bet you can guess what happens. The prophets prophesy, they withdraw, they give the chance for the people to accept or reject. If they reject, then what happens? Well, the outcome is super unsurprising, and it came to pass that it began to be a great dearth, so a big drought upon the land. And... Uh, the inhabitants be, were destroyed ex- exceedingly fast because of the dearth, for there was no rain upon the earth. And there came forth poisonous serpents. I read something pretty interesting about snakes, and that uh, in like relatively recent history, there have been these types of droughts. And what happens is snakes, poisonous snakes, will end up coming into uh, where humans are a lot more because they're just looking for where water is, and humans tend to even when there's, you know, drought, save some water and there's at least some, even though it might be little, but they're coming looking for water and they come. And so what ends up happening is poisonous snake bites increase in those areas. And then they, these snakes, uh, chase, uh, once there's no water, then they just, they're following herds of, uh, of, of things that they can eat, just different prey. And so all the animals kind of are migrating together, looking for water. And then once they kind of find it, they stop. And so what we learn in Ether 9 is they kind of stop in the wilderness. And the Jaredites are like, and write about it as though they make this wall, which they probably maybe did in the wilderness. But it's probably because they just found some sort of water source and other prey and things that had also stopped. But now there's this big wall. So now they're, uh, they can't go anywhere else uh, to the south. And... Uh, so there's these poisonous snakes and a drought. Turns out maybe they should have repented, I guess, right? So now they're about to die, and when the people saw that they must perish, they began to repent. So the Lord, uh, again, zoomed out. What's his process? His process is, I'm going to remove options for you until you can clearly see life and death. Which one do you want to pick? You want to pick life and everlasting life and Christ and repentance? Or do you want to just die and pick eternal damnation and your wickedness? Not very hard anymore, is it? So let's repent. So they repent and the Lord did show forth his power unto them in preserving them from famine. In chapter nine, we get great cycle, pride cycles here. So, the people prospered exceedingly during the righteous reigns of Emer and Coriantum. And then they began to join together in secret combinations and turn to wickedness. Uh, and then the Lord sent prophets to warn them. They reject the prophets. The judgment of God falls upon them. And then the people humble themselves and repent. And so in the, in the midst of these cycles of wickedness, the Jaredites demonstrated that a people can be wealthy and remain righteous. 
it seems that the Jaredites were able to remain in a condition of righteousness and prosperity for over a hundred years, and that's uh, between uh, Emer and Coriantum, and that's verses 15 through 25. And King Emer, like I said, was so righteous, he saw he saw Christ. And so they prospered, and they, but they, and they remained righteous. So that's possible to do. It just takes work and effort and a constant humility and turning to the Lord. And that's what we need to do in our day. When things are going right, that can be the hardest time to turn and thank the Lord because it'd be like, ah, we got this. But as we reject the Lord, he will then come to us and say, well, you better repent. And if we don't, things are going to get worse and worse. And even when times are hard, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to take it away. But what he will do is, like for the brother of Jared in this whole entire story, is he will put a light within us that can light us and help us carry our burdens no matter what we're going through. That's it for chapters 8 and 9. I appreciate you listening. Uh, The next episode will cover chapters 10 and 11 and round out the week. I look forward to chatting with you uh, in that episode, and I hope you'll join me.